Hello there. My name is Sophie. And I'm Dan. You're welcome to Alt. It is our extreme pride to put together thorough and eloquent conversations on topics surrounding logic that shape the depth of our thinking and that affect our lives and perhaps show the many lenses through which we are capable of perception. Stick around with us as we explore these alternatives. Welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us on this episode. So um, we'll be cont- we'll continue from where we stopped last week. Um, handling rejection, I feel uh, we felt there are certain concepts or certain issues within touch there, just to like be mindful and get more on it. So before we go on, I don't know, Sam, do you have anything to say? Do you have um, any stuff from last week? You feel um, we didn't talk. We didn't talk on what you really have in mind tonight. Well, first of all, I'd like to welcome everybody again. I know that Dan has welcomed you. Welcome to our show. Welcome to this wonderful episode right. that we having. And from last week, we started to talk about handling rejection and. There was a lot of beating about the bush last week. We didn't really hit any solid nail on the head. But I think that this this week we agreed from last week that we'll talk about, you know, self pity when it comes to self pity. The points where rejection reaches or hits you so much that you begin to experience self pity. And I'd like for us to explore how we can you know, navigate our way from there. It is a word leverage, how we can leverage rejection for our own good instead of, you know, just wandering. Beating around the bush, I mean. <laughs> All right. Um, and we also have a story in the mix. Your story. My story. Do you remember? Yeah. Yeah. We had it. I do. For those that will keep up with us, we have a story. <laughs> We have a story to keep up with. So self-pity. I've been thinking about self-pity for a while now. And I came across this um, this author. I don't, is it, um, it was a Russian or uh, uh, Eastern European. His name is Fyodor uh, Dotoyevsky. His pardon me. So the guy basically has this very, very, very interesting story. He was a very successful young writer at the time. Well, he made some money, became quite popular, you know, meet kind of urban philosopher. He would go to bars and argue, go to salons and argue. Eventually, he would say one or two things that the ruling, the rulers at the time wouldn't like and he got, he got, uh, was, um, how would I say this? He was sentenced to death. On the fateful morning, he was to die. On the fateful morning, he was to get executed. Um, I think they shot like the first six guys or the first few guys. When he got to his turn, a um, horse galloped into the scene and there was a pronouncement, blah, 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 blah. They will um, excommunicate uh, uh, him 
So instead of him being executed, he would just spend a very, very, very long time in prison. Well, uh, that's how his story begins. And yeah, he will eventually leave prison, write more novels, be more successful. But at that point in time when he was supposed to be killed, when he was supposed to be executed, something dawned on him and something snapped. And he said and um, it was just his consciousness of like time and how how he he had been spending it like he had just been wasting his time because of this very successful um, book he had out and he would go and just waste time and talk and talk and talk and talk and he, he learned that lesson and even after he finished his prison time he would go bankrupt he would lose a lot of cash and his way of getting himself out of that was by he will, he will write, make so much money, go and gamble it all out and like just waste the old money. It will bring him back to like where he started from. And I don't know, it's a very long story. I'm just talking, but I got a, a, um, a sense of him always like wallowing in, in the depth of, okay, this is what I've come through or this is what I've come through and all that. And I don't know, I don't know, but it's just a story that um, fascinates me. I don't know what 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 do you think about that? About what you said so far. So I've listened to your story about this very impressive young writer that ended up. Well, I don't know how it ends up, but thus far he's successfully managed to blow away, continually blow away his fortune, any sort of fortune that he's managed to amass. Yeah, yeah, and it was quite deliberate. So it's, it's a cycle that he deliberately enters into over and again. And I'm guessing that eventually he realized it and then he was trying to navigate his way out of self-pity. Because there's no how that you come to realization of that sort of thing, that the weight of the consequence of your actions will not bear down on you. So it's to get to a point where you need some sort of transcendence from that place of self-pity onto, you know, a place that you can actually be someone that is, well, for lack of, for easy expression, someone that is happy with their self, right? Uh The truth is that rejection hurts, regardless of who is rejecting you or what is rejecting you. It causes you to doubt yourself. You've heard of you've heard of the imposter syndrome before, but this is far from the imposter syndrome, I'm sure. But what, one thing that rejection does is that it makes you think that you you don't have value, that you're of no value. So that's why I can see why someone would that was so in, immensely brilliant, brilliant enough to consistently write books that would generate so much. You understand? I think yeah, that definitely. Intrinsic lack of value in him. He's, he felt so valueless that he felt like the only, because you mentioned that these things were deliberate. The only way that he could make any meaning of his life was to throw away that good fortune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only way he could make meaning 
out of out of his life was by throwing it away. And we we get to see this continually. Imagine let's 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 do a little bit of like thought experiment now. Look at down for that. What did you say? Said I'm down for that. Yeah, let's look at this. We have two scenarios, right? The first one, the guy or the girl was actually never experiencing any any sort of rejection. Perhaps they are born into a privileged family or the child is very talented. And okay, she's a school girl and throughout she gets double promotion, finishes school quickly. And you know, never experiences that. And since it's an it's something that must happen. It's something that must happen. By the time the child or the individual actually experiences that it becomes very, very devastating. Or perhaps they never do and they make decisions with with uh, with the feeling of like them being invincible and they usually are what's like make the most or the, the, the worst decisions, those privileged individuals who actually feel like, you know. Then on the other hand there are people who are able to take feedback, who are able to take um, negative feedback and you know able to uh, create you know create something that resonates with individual so i don't know uh, that little thought experiment was like in my head those two individuals who um, who would be able to make better decisions the person who has been able to deal with negative feedback over time and the individual who is so talented as and has never like you know Well, I think that is no one size fits all answer for that question. Because what I would like to, you know, dwell on scenarios here, we have to understand that people are first individuals. And regardless of how we want to compress, you know, the thoughts of people into generalizations and maybe hasty speculations, we have to reconcile the fact that people are people and whatever it is that they make as decisions will be affected by different things, different factors, their environment. But the baseline now is you set two sets of people or two kinds of people and you're asking which would make better decisions. Well, the, the truth is that if you can handle negative criticism, if you can handle it, and by handling, I mean if you can accept it, not allow it to crush your ego. Because I assume that the other person would not want to receive negative feedback or criticism because it will crush their ego. Seeing as, you know, they're so talented or they've been so talented and privileged all their life. They've never had their creativity questioned. They've never had their excellence, so to speak, questioned. Mm-hmm. They're pretty much genius. And then the other guy has to, you know, consistently comb his way through all, all these um, feedbacks and criticism and, and continually climb the ladder, you know, onto a place of refined work. But ultimately, I think that if, if we're talking about the arts, 
who will make a better decision as per a creative? Well, we all know that it's important to listen. So I think that the person that listens will make, will have slight edge, a very slight edge over someone that doesn't listen. It goes without saying. But also, I would not like to <coughs> totally dismiss like a protege, a, 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 not a protege, a prodigy, like a child prodigy that has never had his treatment. <laughs> yet. I mean, there's a reason it's like that. And yeah, we, we can call it natural giftings or talents, but you cannot deny that for somebody to continually perform at peak level, at optimized level, there has to be something that they are doing that they correctly, if you mm-hmm. get my point. So, mm-hmm. so they have their process too. They have their process too. So I, I don't, I don't quite think that decision making is is a clear cut investigation between you know those two classes of people. But I think that oh. if, if if you are if you are trying to access how much they would learn, their willingness to learn and grow, then it'll be easier to say that the king, the guy that listens, will learn and grow. And then you can actually match it to the decision making and say ultimately make Slightly better decision or decisions than the guy that don't listen. And if we want to link it to this whole self pity thing, we can see that ultimately, if the, the guy that doesn't listen gets to a point that you know, you just you have gone so high, and you are so high and lofty, and then the feet, the ground is pulled from below your feet, and you just go down and you hit rock bottom, then. That's some sort of rejection in itself. Or maybe you, you've, you've got to a point where you're so out of touch with reality. And then people begin to actively reject what it is that you put to them as art. And you fall. You just have that pitfall. You hit rock bottom. And then a cycle of depression and hurt and self-pity starts. So that's how best I can intermingle this whole discourse. Can you make any sense of what I said? Definitely. You um you 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 made a lot of sense and it's you know it's it's just it's just something I'm curious about, you know, having having like a tough skin for for you know for for feedback and you know and this other individual who just goes smoothly, you know, at the end of the day, they have to make them. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, I, 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 I think that settles that. But you also mentioned something. You mentioned ego. And I remember from the last podcast, um, from the last episode, we are trying to look at the balance between feeling selfish enough or acting selfish enough, you know, in this, not in the, uh, the greedy, grimy sense of it, but you know, like being um, active about your self-respect, and um, on the other scale, self-pity. You know, how can we balance both together? Because I don't know what your opinion is on on 
like you've mentioned now, self-pity is like being in a cycle of depression. But can we look at self-pity now in simple terms as, you know, the ability to just take negative feedback or any kind of feedback at all? Then on the other hand, we're looking at um, selfishness in the case of like self-respect, self-mastery, you know, that kind of thing. Then at what point can we balance uh, those two yeah. yeah, I like that question. It's trying to tie everything in the middle. I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, the point that you can balance everything is, the point is that you stop seeing rejection as a humiliating force, devalue you, or as something that is meant to reduce you. And you start seeing it as a necessary tool for development. So it means that the point of balance is where you start to leverage on your moments of rejection. When you go back to your moments of rejection and reflect on it, and rather than be bitter and angry and, and cry and be downcast, what you do is analyze those moments and, you know, reframe them as, as a key to unlock new parts of success because new parts of success might actually be locked in those moments of of reflection, of rejection. And you can only find it when you begin to reflect. And that happens when you have a, a shift in perception, you know what they will call a paradigm shift. And the only way to, to achieve that is that you do not internalize rejection. You don't make it mean that if somebody rejects me, it means that my life is less valuable than it is. You know, I, I saw a TED Talk today and I watched it like twice by by this um, amazing guy. I'm trying to recall his name now, Shario. It's a difficult name to pronounce, right? Um, Darius Tinson. Darius Tinson. So he said something, right? He said, when you are at a, at a point like that, what you can do is build a life that has purpose and meaning. Pursue it. You know, instead of seeing rejection as pain, see beyond the pain. See, see it as a projection of other people's feeling. If somebody rejects you harshly, see it as a pro- pro- projection of their feelings. See it as a pro- projection of their how they view themselves. He said that that's one way to see it. You know? And then you can see it as life or nature protecting you from something that would have not been the best for you. So if somebody gives you what you might call a harsh reality, and say, for example, you suck. You know, I, I play guitar, for example. If somebody comes and says that I suck at playing guitar, or if somebody said that to me early in my guitar playing career, let's put it like that. And at that point, if I genuinely sucked, then maybe, just maybe, that that rejection was was life trying to protect me from pursuing a career path that would have done nothing for me. Because trust me, I've 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 tried to teach people that had zero music talent. And genuinely they tried to catch up. 
you know, I've I tried to teach them guitar for weeks and weeks and weeks and I give up eventually. And now when I heard that thing, I was just reminiscing. Wouldn't it have been better if I told this guy that, look, you're not cut out for this thing. I can't lie to you. And for me to waste my time as well as their time. And and spend weeks and weeks, you know, stacking into months of, of tutorials and lectures and materials. And that's just a waste of everybody's time. If I just rejected them, even if it's subtly, just subtle stuff and say, guy, yeah, this thing is not meant for you. Uh, they might feel pain in, in, in the moment. But if I also teach them that instead of you to see this thing as pain, as a moment of pain, leverage on this moment and use it to produce confidence and success. Use it to this energy that you have been expending here because genuinely you have been working hard. Focus it on something else and make something better out of yourself. Maybe you're just not caught out in reality to be a guitar player. And I think I think that that's where that's where balance lies. And when it comes to people rejecting you, it might just mean that life is protecting you from someone that that that's not meant to be in your life anymore. Simple and short. You like mm-hmm. someone that doesn't like you and life is just protecting that I man, this person is not meant for you. But but uh what 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 by saying like an application letter to like to like Chevron and they say mm-hmm. like a rejection letter. I don't think life will protect me from Chevron. I would like to work in Chevron. You know, you know. Again, <laughs> Well, you know, I, 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 I would like to work. I don't think life should protect me from Shell. I would like to work with Shell. I would like to work so with there's money there. Where the money at? You know, I don't care. From those sort of things. It might be, what I would explain now might be a sort of pessimistic way of thinking. So imagine that. No, no, no. I, I absolutely get, absolutely, absolutely get, like, what you're saying. You know, uh, just what... Can you really take that? Can you really measure that in like watching a person's early performance? You know, I don't think anybody would have seen uh, anybody would have seen who who now who can we call like uh, anybody would have seen someone like Lauren Hill and say, oh, she's she's going to like. She she must have been very skinny or something when when she was a child and all that and say oh you your you, this black child is going to be like the next great superstar or something like that you know can you really determine that from the beginning can you really say oh this individual is not cut out for this like in the first months or even in the first years and you really can you really do that well life is full of uncertainties you can't really do anything in life you can't really. Asserting that this is what will happen, you can only you can only pump your expectations and your your standards. You can only raise them up. Do you understand? But my experience that I shared with you, I think that I will go back to it. Since that, I have a span of people that have tutored on how to play guitar, 
And immediately I know who that will not be good in the first few weeks. I know who and I know who has first of all talent to succeed. I know who has the grit to succeed. I know who has a combination of talent and grit. I know who has none. And then I know who has grit, but no talent and no no prospect. Yeah. It's easy to spot for me. Mm. If someone is tone deaf, they are tone deaf. There's nothing you can do about that. That person cannot learn music. Like they're just tone mm. deaf. Mm. There's no, there's no, there's nothing you can do about that. If they can't keep count, for example, that's another reason. If you can't keep count, you, know, you can't you can't keep count of basic time signatures. Then you can't keep count. There's nothing they can do about that. It's almost nature fighting against you learning that particular skill. And the other time you mentioned that why would why should nature protect you from Shell or Chevron, seeing as they pay so much to hunt? <laughs> well, one reason that nature can protect you and should protect you is that you remember that there was some sort of massive retrenchment of workers from Shell and Chevron at and at some points when the oil prices began to drop. So just imagine yourself among, say you spent 10 years with Shell, and my experience, well not first hand, but second hand from, from hearsays, is that people that work there do not maybe invest or something, they just live the life because they assume that this is going to be the life. So you don't have a house to your name, you rent an apartment. And you're comfortable, you can take care of your kids, and that goes on for 10 years. By the 10th year, you have probably an 8-year-old and a 5-year-old, maybe a 2-year-old, and you're retrenched from work. Let's say you live on your savings for 2 years, and 2 years you're actively trying to look for work. Nothing comes. And eventually, your savings run out. Mm. Now you're mm. yeah, just at that point. Right? Definitely. Definitely. I, <laughs> that's I, I, depression. I, I, I didn't know you. Depression. So imagine that I didn't you would even entertain the thoughts that why why was my application left and not even dismissed in the first place? The whole idea why I even brought it why I brought it up was to just entertain was or just to make it make make the whole thing like like I didn't know you were going to go so deep. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> went deeper than their oil rig, but so um, I don't know if you caught that joke. Yeah, All right, I caught. Uh, no, I just I slipped in one. Um, don't mind me. All right, so you've mentioned that, but um, I just guess you know I'm I'm of the opinion you know like if you really want something, like if you're really selfish enough to. You want to be a doctor, you want to be a rock star, you want to play the guitar, and you're selfish about it. You respect your time about um, you respect the time you have to. You would have to respect the time you have to put in to like achieve that. You know, it's not just like uh, just baseless grandiosity and um, just feeling like entitled and all that. So I feel if you get rejected, 
whether it's in interpersonal relationships or in work in work life, there's always um, there's always that cycle that comes after it, which is depression. But you know, it's all about how you react. You know, it's all about how you react, and if you're able to like love yourself enough, respect yourself enough to know that you know this this. This is not the worst that can happen. You know? This is not the worst that has ever happened. And the the true manifestation of that would be the practice. You know, the time you now put in in developing yourself. So it's not just enough. I feel for me it would be like how you balance getting that ne- negative feedback, yeah, I mean, getting that uh, be, yeah to be a life that has purpose and meaning and value and actively pursue it. That's the balance. All right, all right. So for me, it would it will be a practice and giving yourself deadlines, giving yourself deadlines. So I want to draw forty. Um, I want to play forty. I don't know uh, forty notes. Am I correct? The music guy. Forty notes by Thursday. I want to practice forty notes by Thursday. I want to practice forty reps by by Thursday. Yeah, but together there we have cohesion there. Definitely, definitely. So, um, yeah, I, I was, I was thinking about something. I was really thinking about last, our last episode. You know, I spent a lot of time thinking, just thinking, 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 because that's all I do. I think, mm-hmm. and it hits me. If, like you just said, nature, like certain things just have to be natural, you know. The person, even even if the person you like or the person you after is not like in your class, or you're like trash to them, or they are like trash to you, I feel or whatever you're looking forward to might not be personal. I feel your work or the item you're chasing also has to chase you back. You know, it has to seduce you back. You know, there has to be like a mutual. Exchange. I don't know. What do you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. And that's how that's how I've been able to cherry pick the things that I do right now. And for some people, it's a lot of things. But for me, it's not even nearly enough. Okay, I'm going to use my music as an example. I started to learn the piano. I loved it, but I realized that it didn't love me back. Mm-hmm. So I didn't learn it. In, I struggled with the piano for like three months, four months, and I didn't make any serious headway. But I knew that I had something for music. So I got advice by a, a musical genius, a maestro, to switch to guitar. And it's like nature. The guy just saw my hands. I was like, okay, it's your hands. You have a guitarist's hand. And I, I went to buy my guitar the next. Wow. After that, I went to buy my guitar. And a month after those four days, I was already proficient enough to play songs on the guitar in just a month. So, you know I think what? That it goes I'm along thinking, with Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it has to like, Definitely, definitely. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about what you just said now, and 
there had to be like an external factor, like a support system or like a mentor, someone to you have to look up to. How necessary is that in in development and developing a skill or a developing top skin? How how heavy is a support system or a mentor or somebody you know what? Forget about that girl or forget about that guy or forget about the piano. Do this or do that. You know? And someone you can always trust to give you like naked naked feedback and it's not colored by you know how okay. how in your experience. Okay. For the record, I'd just like to state that we are not we are not I don't think that we're actively trying to flow away from self pity. What we are trying to do is help people that are if you're listening and you're in a position of self-eating, help you transcend that point where where you do something meaningful, you pursue something valuable, you pursue something purposeful, and you know your life just begins to change. Because I cannot say that it will change drastically or immediately. That would be fantasy. It's hard work. It's really difficult work, and that's why a lot of people do not get past it but i assure you if you move in that direction and you you persevere whatever life throws at you whatever chaos comes out of life because life is is hard it's suffering it's it's filled with malevolence at different points and you cannot afford to not stand up straight with your shoulders you know up and face life square you cannot afford not to do that so that's that. Mentors. Yeah. Well, Man, you just you just like you just give us like a motivation. Like I'm running. I'm I'm I'm. I'm where's my where's my canvas? Where's I need to, I need to jog. Like I'm going for a marathon. You just give me like a mental boost. <laughs> I, I I'm okay. going to walk on water now. You know. <laughs> All right. So mentors, yeah. Yeah, I was the best personality. I don't, I don't regard mentors much, personally. But I know that my life will not have, will not be where it is without people being strategically positioned in my life to help mm. to elevate me. For example, the person that saw my my fingers and saying, "Okay, you have guitar hands," mm. and then I, 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 I still fumbled a little bit, you know. Try to unwrap something. I went, I went a lot to cafes to download videos after I bought my guitars and watch videos. But it wasn't until I had an actual tutor. He didn't teach me much, but he just pointed me in the correct directions. And in a month, I'm sure that if I, if I'd not met him, I would have, I would have just been very grounded for, for a long time. In a month, he was able to guide me. That's what they offer. They offer guidance. And they offer experience. You know, they compress all their years of experience into little moments. Mm. Into compasses that will just, will lead you into your own, you know, into your own big moments and into, into your own experiences that you cannot afford to miss. So while I would say that I don't regard mentorship much at this point of my life, I prefer sponsors. Like, if you love me. (laughs) (laughs) 
Put your money where the mouth is. Yes. Yes. But if you're starting out of anything, you definitely need mentors. I don't mind that if I have if I have a mentor now for something that I want to do, I wouldn't mind as long as it's not imposing. Mm. As long as there's offer guidance. So if it's if it's mm. beginning to derail from the premise of guidance, then that's problematic. Mm. Mm. Something like a tyranny, maybe not even a tyranny, something below that, like a powerful leader. Like this is this is what I'm seeing. And you cannot have an opinion that stays otherwise. Then there's a problem well, there. That that's not part. I think that that's just like detecting, like being a detector and, uh, and all that. Corrupts <laughs> the willpower. You know mm. what you're trying to mention. I think is competence. This is definitely a hierarchy of competence and a hierarchy of power. And hierarchy of power is just. <laughs> well, if you have a hierarchy of competence, then you have people that you can they see people that are competent and they want you to climb up that hierarchy. So that's the sort of guidance that I'm mentioning and talking about. Mm. All right. So, is there any projects you're currently working on? Is there anything that uh, I mean, the last time you wrote wrote uh do, do you have any recent article out have you written anything recent or uh, what well, are you working on for i've not published i'm i'm looking to edit it and it's it's why i've not dropped it is because it's it's in a different direction from everything i've ever published mm. you know this this is more you know, like i publish most of my things they feel like fiction but this one is very non-fiction and it's very Logical is deep, it's heavy. So I'm I'm trying to consider my readers. You so know? you're not you're not giving us anything. She just she just nah. expects. Nah, uh, I mean, I would uh, say brace for impact whenever I decide to publish that heavy stuff. Brace for impact because it's going to hit. If you read it, it will hit you hard. Because it hit me hard uh, when I was writing it. And anything, anything from the music side. Well, from the music, I'm currently, I'm currently in, out of my state. I stay in Lagos, and now I'm in Ibadan, and I came before. I've been here for like a few days, been practicing, rehearsing. We have like this concert on Friday, and this other thing Sunday. So next, this Friday, next Friday, and next Sunday. So we're rehearsing constantly for that. So you. You've been on the move. Yeah, on the move. It feels good, you know. Right? It's a very sedentary thing. You're just sitting in one place. Anything that that takes you out of Lagos and its craziness is is definitely... (laughs) It's worth it. All right. Uh, Before I let you go, or before you leave, uh, your... You have to share the story. The, uh, yeah, the one where you fucked it. What did I share with about what again? Yeah, I have. You want me to remind you, like, uh, what the story is about? I didn't get that. Okay. But I think, I think I said I was going to share 
Yeah, I asked you at the end of the last episode, like remember if we were going to if we were going to go in reverse and look at it, uh, an instance where she ticked all the boxes, but you still yeah. messed it up. Yeah, I still managed to mess something like that up. <laughs> Brief summary. So this person was the perfect person for me, honestly. No doubt. Perfect person. And nature worked in such a way that I didn't have to go and look for her. She found a way to me. And she was just intrigued by me and told me all these interesting things. And I was just skeptical. You know, that pessimist mindset just came. Now, how would someone so perfect? come into your life so easily so it's just I had that that wall of skepticism built around the whole thing from the very beginning so it kind of defined as the relationship grew it kind of defined the boundaries of the relationship so it lasted for a while you know and it was good while it lasted. I didn't allow it. I didn't allow my skepticism influence whatever. You know, I said it was the boundary. So whatever was inside the boundary, I didn't allow that influence. It influenced that until it got to the point of the boundary. I think that she had to leave. We were in school together then, then she had to leave. And... I just could not bear the fact that someone so perfect would leave me here in school and go on to life. So I just decided, look, Mr. Guy, just brace your heart and let go of this whole thing before it becomes, before you start hearing stories that touch. I know I hear stories. I just gradually withdrew. And I guess that she sensed it too and withdrew and it goes deeper than that, but that's <laughs> that's how much I'm willing to This this is a very, very sad bad way to end the show, but it's what it is. Well I think about it now and I smile. I mean in, in view of what I've said, I mean it might have been life trying to protect me from someone that that wasn't mine, 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 mine. Nike, Barbie, Wahala on the rocks You know if they try me, I walk like I talk Number one champion, supreme, that's me Who you ain't that to be Wahala on the rocks, on them Nike shoes and socks I just copped them like the clock, tick-tock Well for now, I guess it's good night So everyone should, everyone should stay ready For the awesomeness of the next two weeks Myself and Dan Have a wonderful week And the next right. week See us again. Bye. Cause you're not Batman, not Superman, no aeroplane, this ain't television. Batman, not Superman, no aeroplane, this ain't television. Cause you're not Batman, not Superman, no So uh, the early man it, it was quite distinguished. <laughs>
because he didn't know much. He didn't really know much. And he was inquisitive about this dark thing following him everywhere he went. So he wanted to grab it and know much about its nature. So he would look behind him and see the shadow, his own shadow, and run after it and chase after it and try to grab it in his hands. And every single attempt, every single time he tried to do that, the shadow was just elusive. It will always slip out, not quite there for it, for him to to reach it. Well, you know what? One day he just, you know, he gave up. And as soon as he turned his back on the shadow, the shadow started following him everywhere he went. So I think that's like a metaphor for everyone going through it right now. There's always a point where you can just turn your back and, and move on. So the idea is to move on while you still can or move on right now. Move on. Because that's like your only option, you know.